Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Another one is a loss of a job. Another one is a family problem, a marriage problem, a teenager, a pregnancy, drugs. A spouse gets up one day and says, I'm leaving. That's a crossroad. Of course, natural disasters. See, we need to be open enough around people and love people enough and not be apathetic so that when that opening happens, we sense it and we know that they're open a little more to God. When you look at the book of Acts and know the history of the phenomenal growth of the church back then, it seems that it was easy for those in the early church to share their faith. On the other hand, it appears that the layperson in the church today is very reluctant to talk to others about Jesus. Pastor Mark will be teaching about this failing of today's Christ follower and what you need to do to become obedient to Jesus' command to go into the world and make disciples. You'll hear about what made the early church able to do what they did and how you can acquire the same power. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 4 as he begins his message, Under His Influence, Cowards No More. One of my goals as a pastor of this church is for you to believe you are loved. You are God's masterpiece. There's not another one like you, but you're made in the image of God. You are not junk, no matter your circumstances. God loves you, but he loves us. Too much to leave us looking like us. So he's at work in your life and mine as well. It's lifelong. It hurts. But it's good for me. Because you are God's masterpiece. But there's a problem. Most of the world at this point has never heard what I've just said to you. They don't know there's a loving God. They don't realize they were made in his image. And they're hopeless from the abused child to the battered wife, to the homeless, to those that are looking for answers and can't find it. And the reason they're hopeless Because those of us in the church have two things that need to be chiseled away today. Fear of sharing the gospel 
and apathy. Why do I care about someone else? I'm fine with God. Today's teaching is entitled, Under His Influence, Cowards No More. And it's about getting this message out to a world that's clueless. Speaking of a coward, an interesting place in Israel, it's a place that is near Caiaphas's house. You know the history. It all happened one night when Jesus was arrested and went to Caiaphas's house. Before that evening, Jesus had said to Peter, one day you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter went, not me. You can count on me. That night, while Jesus was arrested, Peter was a coward. Just as Jesus said. But we're going to look a few days after that. Peter would be a coward no more. How do we move to that place? Well, first, let's just define coward. A coward is a person who lacks courage in facing danger, difficulty, or opposition. You see, as Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, and he created us to do good things. How does that work? Jesus knew when he would leave and go to heaven, the work of Christianity was left in these disciples. They were cowards. They were the ones that when Jesus was crucified, they were huddled and afraid for their lives. Even though they had the Great Commission, they didn't have the power. Jesus knows, he knows us today, that fear paralyzes us. We'd have to conquer that fear. And that's why Jesus said you got to go to the upper room. You have to wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then instead of fear, that would be boldness. Boldness to witness to others. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4 verse 1. We will learn how we change from a coward to a bold follower of Christ today. Let me give you the history very quickly. Peter and John, after being filled with the Spirit, go to the temple area. They heal a lame man. All of a sudden, this causes great commotion in the city, especially with the religious rulers. Before we read verse 1, I want to give you a challenging statement from Ed Betzer. It can be condemning. But I don't want it to be condemning. I want it to be challenging. Notice what it says. One of the greatest sins in the church today is that we have made it okay to sit and do nothing and still call ourselves Christ followers. I would like to say to you that Calvary Chapel doesn't fit that. But I would be wrong. We have an amazing church in three campuses. Every weekend we have more than 8,000 people. It's exciting. I love it. 
But I'd have to say to you this morning, about 80% of you fit that definition. Oh, you come, you give, but basically you sit and do nothing. You're not in a small group. You don't share your faith. You don't even come regularly to church. But when asked, I'm a Christ follower. But see, we don't fit the definition. And because of that, the world, by and large, is plummeting to hell when we have the only good news. That's because, if this is you, our world revolves around us. And we need the fear chipped off of us. And we need the apathy chipped off of us today. Myself included. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Now the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John. Notice this. While they were speaking to the people. This is outside the church. First thing for you to write is this. Cowards no more. Take the gospel to the marketplace. You see, Jesus was always around people. He would be in the temple. He would be in the church. But he was really outside. He was around the people in the marketplace. At school, at work, in the neighborhoods. You see, lost people mattered to Jesus. And the disciples caught it. In the Great Commission, we have this word, go. But the church sits. Verse 2, speaking of the religious leaders, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You see, they were proclaiming what we would call the gospel. Let me read you a verse. You don't need to turn there. Romans 1.16 says this, For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Gentile. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us what the gospel is. Man is born a sinner. Sin separates from a holy God. God so much love for you because you were created in his image, sent his son, Jesus who lived a perfect life, went to the cross, took your sin, my sin upon him, and three days later was resurrected from the dead. If I will turn my life over to him, if I will make a commitment to him, I'll spend eternity in heaven with him. Somebody at one of our services recently came up to me, wonderful young lady, and here's what she said. I was raised, doesn't matter what, but I didn't know that I could personally know Jesus Christ. And she just began weeping. See, that wasn't my words that caused her to weep. It was God's love for her. And she'd been religious all her life, but didn't know there was a difference between religion and relationship. Recently, she made the change. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of this word, Jesus, are you ashamed to be called a Christ follower? Don't underestimate the raw power of the gospel. 
It can reach the hardest hearts of our friends and co-workers. So I want you to write this today. Cowards no more. Boldly share Jesus. This is not about Calvary Chapel. You don't boldly share Calvary Chapel. You invite people to Calvary Chapel, but you share Jesus. You see, if we do that, lives will be changed. It has universal appeal. You see, the power of the gospel is this, and I can guarantee you this is true in your life. There isn't anybody listening to me today who came to Christ who is here and really a follower of Christ would say, I'd rather go back to my old lifestyle. Not one. Because the change has been amazing. You have peace with God. You have hope for the future. Yes, it's hard. But you have forgiveness, the greatest need of man. Now the world needs to understand it. So when I share Jesus with people, I can say to them, you can have a new start. You can change. God, nothing too hard for God. Well, I've sinned too much. I felt it. Never, never, never. That's the power of the gospel. Verse 3. Well, they seized Peter and John because they were proclaiming the gospel. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Look down at verse 4, what happened? But many who heard, that's a whole thing we're talking about. They heard the gospel, the message, they believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Just write this down, third thing. Cowards no more, opposition often brings opportunity. You see, we would think if Peter and John are in jail, that's the end of it. But the message that they had given, while they're in jail, 2,000 more Jews accept Jesus Christ. How can that be? Well, it's not about Peter and John. It's about the gospel. You see, the word of God, Hebrews tells us, it's alive. The words that I'm saying to you now... God will bring back to your memory. It finds a way into our spirit. It's not me. It's the word of God. And as we share, you never know what's going to happen. See, most of us never came to Christ the first time we heard about Jesus. It was a process. What was happening? The word of God was there. It was down inside of us. We didn't even know it. It was working. And one day, the lights came on. Understand that some of us are a little more bold, some of us are a little more aggressive, but most of us are kind of like a little afraid to share the gospel. Paul would write to Timothy, he said to Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power. You see, it's easy for me to share the gospel with you in front of thousands of people in this podium, because that's what I'm gifted to do by God. It's way different. When I'm in a neighborhood and talking one-to-one with somebody, I'm just like you. There's fear. Will I say the right thing? Will I offend them? Will they call me an idiot? Been there, haven't you? We can't be fearful. Paul says to Timothy, no, don't be a spiritual coward. Forget your personality. Be filled with the Spirit. It brings boldness. Notice, many who heard the message. 
Now, when they heard the message, that means somebody had to speak the message. One of the things that we've been told, and there is some truth to it, that as a Christian, I need to live a life. When people see us, they should see Jesus. You'll see that in a moment. So I don't have to say anything. I just wear my Calvary Chapel cap and I'm a Christian. And people will get saved automatically just looking at that cap. That isn't going to work. You see, the gospel has to be shared from our mouth. Now, why did these people, these 2,000 people, when they heard the message of Jesus that there could be forgiveness, why did they come? Well, because these people, like all of us, before we come to Christ, we don't know how to do life. We're hurting, we're stressed out, we're frustrated, we're clueless, we're hopeless. And that hopelessness is an open door for you and I to share the good news. I want to share with you a principle that maybe you haven't thought about. In all of our lives, we will run into individuals who come to a crossroad in their life. And when people come to crossroads in their life, they're more open to hear the things about God. Normally, if things are going just normal in our life, every day is kind of routine. We get up this week and next week, and this is the same, this is the same. If God's part of our life, good, there's a little bit of that. If he's not, he's not there. But there's crossroads in our relatives and friends and co-workers and students at class. What do these crossroads look like? Let me give you some. Newly married. New parents. A new parent. Why would that be an open time for someone to think about God? Not long ago, I was visiting a doctor in the area. He shared with me this. When I saw that baby born, I knew there had to be a God. He was in the delivery room. And and then he said this. When I realized that baby's alive and going to live somewhere forever... I turn my life over to God. You say, well, that's a weak moment. No, that's a smart moment. You see, it was a crossroads. And we need to be around people to know when they face those crossroads so that we can share about God. What other kind of crossroads? A new sickness or a health issue. Someone comes into work and says, "Um, I just got the results of test that I took last week and the doctor says I have cancer is the door open the door is open the door is open it's a crossroad see because now as Americans especially we like to be in control when you're told that you have cancer and there's no hope you're not in control anymore you can't do anything about it and now you realize Well, things are going to be different. The same crossroad is the crossroad of death. A relative or friend dies in your family, co-worker. You come to a funeral, there's an urn, mostly today because we don't do too many burials, maybe a casket, the older style. But as you look at the urn and you look at the casket, you realize you'll never see that person again. Where are they? And we're reminded that we're going to live somewhere forever. See, that's a crossroad. Another one is a loss of a job. Another one is a family problem, a marriage problem, a teenager, a pregnancy, drugs. A spouse gets up one day and says, I'm leaving. That's a crossroad. 
Of course, natural disasters. See, we need to be open enough around people and love people enough and not be apathetic so that when that opening happens, we sense it and we know that they're open a little more to God. Verse 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem. Look at who these people were. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men in the high priest family. Now think about this. Peter and John are going to be confronted by who? It's very important to understand this. Peter and John are going to be confronted by the Jewish leaders. We know two of the names. Annas, and you already heard me talk about Caiaphas. Who are these two Jewish leaders? They were the leaders that sentenced Jesus to die on the cross. They made sure it happened through the Romans. So Peter and John are going to have to give a witness in front of two of the men that were responsible for crucifying Jesus. But uh, let, let time out here. Do you think there'll be some boldness necessary here in a moment? These are not just religious leaders. These are the ones that crucified Jesus, they had the power. Could they have the power to do the same thing to Peter and John? Verse 7, they had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question this. By what power or what name do you do this? Notice verse 8, we've talked about it before. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He knows this is a priceless opportunity. This is an open door To share about Jesus. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's a bold Peter. This isn't the Peter when the rooster crows. This is a Peter under the influence of the Spirit. He says to them, rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to the cripple and how he was healed. I won't give you the thing. You can just read verses 10 and 11. He goes on in the bottom line. He says this. I I want you today here in Melbourne. You be those religious leaders. And here's what Peter says in his sermon. And I'm sure he used his finger. He says this. You crucified your Messiah. You killed him. How's that for boldness? What was the difference between that Peter and the Peter before? One thing. He was under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. See, he knew he had to proclaim boldly the gospel. Because these religious leaders needed Jesus Christ as well. And then he tops it off with the most bold statement you can ever imagine. Look at verse 12. And he says this, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the transformation of Peter from coward concerning Jesus to a powerful proclaimer of his Lord's death and resurrection. You were told that the change God made in Peter, well, he wants to do it in you as well. He wants to remake you into the person that he always wanted you to be. You were reminded that the journey isn't easy, but the goal is worth the pain. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. 
All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his message under his influence, Cowards No More. You'll hear about Peter and John and their experience with the religious leaders after God used them to heal a crippled man. You'll hear how God changed these two uneducated fishermen into powerful ambassadors for the kingdom of God and how he can make the same changes in you. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series called Under His Influence. It's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.